like, cause you know, you know, there's a thing where like the fear of hitting the record button pops up in people's hearts, bro. In people's hearts, for sure. It does. It does, bro. Bro, I've I felt it. For real? I felt it like that. The anxiety of hitting the record button. <laughs> no. Right, bro, bro. I'm telling you, it'd be like. At you the know, beginning or like how when how it became like I have to do it as part of my work. Okay, that makes sense. You see what I'm saying? So that so no, so I don't think that I don't think they're the same because one, it one one is recreational. When it was recreational, did you feel that fear? No, no, that's what I'm trying no. to say. So right now you're performing. This is your brand. Like yeah. it's different. It's not recreational. This is you. And you I know. only feel it sometimes. I only feel it when it is something like really. Hardcore work related, like when I when we press the record button here, I didn't feel, I didn't feel. Yeah, no, nah, because but I mean, yeah, I, I, but maybe when you know, maybe you have other guests and stuff like that. That's maybe it definitely maybe could be a thing, bro. It it is weird. Nine times out of ten, I don't think I feel it. If I'm just pressing record and I'm talking about something that I want to talk about mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah, I don't feel nothing. But if it's if it's not if it's something like. Oh, maybe I'm not as comfortable, but and I'm doing it just because I have to do it. Then I'm a little nervous. Not, not that makes sense. Yeah. You know, Kobe said something similar. He was like, um, you know, when he came to play the game, he wasn't. He was never nervous. It was like, well, why? He said because he knew he did everything possible to prepare for his games, and so it could be something similar. Like, is there something I'm not thinking about? Because I know, you know, we worked alongside each other. It's like at work. It's just, this is just the cadence. It is what it is, you know? Whereas yeah. something, you got to speak to something that you just had to learn yesterday. That's when maybe those feelings will bubble up a little bit, you know? That's true. It's true. It's all, it's true sometimes and other times I feel more comfortable if I don't know that much about it. Like if it's something I just learned, I feel like I have a wiggle room for, for ignorance, yeah, hundred percent. You know, but if it's something I'm expected to be an expert on, <laughs> it is like I didn't prepare. How long that you been well. doing this? Fourteen years. Tell us about it. What? Like, uh, I mean, if I really know it and I'm in it every day, yeah, then I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, sure. But if it's something like I haven't worked on, haven't touched in a couple months, but I did heavy before, and I'm expected to know everything about it right now with zero prep, a little nervous. Yeah, yeah. Nervous. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, all right, so why don't you tell the people who you are, kind of what you do. This is a tech-themed podcast. We're going to be talking about tech. We're going to be talking about engineering. We're going to be talking about what it feels like to be people in the space. So let's, let's like, give folks some context about yourself. Yeah, so um, I'm sure it'll be in the title here, but my name is Mason AC. I am, a, um, I am not only an Agilist, or you may formally know it as a Scrum Master, but I'm also a mentor a software engineer, um, agile coach, you know, for a nonprofit organization, um, uh, namely NYCHER, but I also have, you know, my nine to five, uh, I work for uh, a major utility in the South, uh, called Duke energy. Mm. So yeah. Um, been in tech now for, it's crazy now, like six, seven years. Yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> That, that all hit me just right now. Wow. <laughs> it's been a minute, bro. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, but yeah, you know, you know, st- started you know, started out, you know, uh, doing a boot camp, you know, and um, there are some opportunities that 
you know, presented itself after that. But, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't as advanced as maybe some of my other um, classmates. So I had to go back to a drawing board and, um, you know, learn some other things. And, and, and I was able to get mentored um, up and skilled up to a place in which I eventually was able to, you know, take the jump into the space um, five, six years ago now. So I've mm-hmm. been a, a professional I've been in IT professionally for the last, you know, six years now. Mm-hmm. So I'll, we'll, we'll let the people know too. Like we know each other. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. So it's like my brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, we've been around each other, been working with each other in different capacities. Uh, excited that he's the first guest on the show. If you, you mentioned that you kind of came up through the boot camp approach, mm-hmm. so like if people watching are interested. And doing some sort of boot camp or want to get into tech and they're thinking about different boot camps. Is there any advice you would give them? Yeah. Um, uh, what, what, I, what I found is the, um, the importance on not acting like you know something that you don't know. I find that to be um, the best, the best skill set whenever I'm learning something new, doing something different. Is, um, you know, it's something that hindered me you know, early on in my career. But, you know, having mentored other people to get into the space now is something that I tell them to be very comfortable with. You feel stupid a lot. Um, you feel stupid. You feel inexperienced. You feel um, dumb. It's very uncomfortable. But this is the process of learning. And um, learning to embrace that is something that I, I would um, express to anybody. Um, for example, my little brother, Seth, he went through a boot camp uh, type situation, and now he is a software engineer at Lowe's, a full stack software engineer at Lowe's. And you know, I've helped him along his way, you know, with whatever curriculum his uh, boot camp was doing. But the the point is, you know, I was telling him he's a real cool, maybe mild spirited person. I was letting him know, hey, um, you're trying to be cool, and that's why you're not getting this. It's okay. You don't know it. Um, that is to be expected. But you, you harp on it. You find a way to make it relate to real life. And um, it, it's some way, somehow, just, you know, it'll just click. It just clicks one day. And so you have to bang your head against the wall, as we call it, in the field until you get it. Yeah. Well, you, you said a lot of things right there, bro. Hey, Hold man. I'm, re- I'm, re- I'm, re- I'm really passionate about it now, you know, because I got the lesson. But, man, early on. Uh, you you, <laughs> you know how passionate I am about, about some of those topics, especially... Sure not acting like you you know because I've seen tons of folks do it and I mean you raise your hand I wasn't saying, I wasn't <laughs> no, no, saying no. that about you I'm, bro. I'm saying I'm just, I'm I've seen the effects of legitimately a lot of people who get in tech and it's really it's really pride and arrogance is what right. it boils down to in, a, in in that specific form of course it's, it is natural to want to impress to want to be good at what you do like none of those things I think are bad mm-hmm it's just it it's a tendency that it really affects your capacity to learn right because you shut off something by saying i know just those two words even now when i'm interviewing people and i'm talking to people i'll give them a question that uh that i don't expect them to know mm-hmm. and i'm not trying to stump them i just want to see if they say i don't know right and and how they communicate that cuz if you can't say I don't know or you beat around the bush or you're trying to act like uh, you know this or that, and, and in tech, it becomes extremely obvious when you don't know. Like, immediately. 
Like, you, it's not one of the fields where you could just go in and you just, you know, shooting is with with people yeah. and you talking and you just can talk through it. Like it because people verify and it becomes immediately verifiable if you actually have some idea of what you're talking about. And if I can speak to that real quick. Yeah. Um, having been on both sides of it, acting like I know something that I don't really know and very vague with, you know, and instead of saying, uh, I'm not really too sure about that or I'm not comfortable, you know, exercising, you know, as the principal on the subject or whatever, a subject matter expert. Um, I did, I couldn't have the, the compassion that I, again, some other people already had it, but it just wasn't in my skill set, personality wise until I was on the other side, you know, I humbled myself had to get beat all the way down and then built all the way back up. Um, it's extremely frustrating from the mentor side, you know, for somebody to act like they know something that they don't because it's a waste of time and it's a waste of talent. You know, I, I found that the people who do best in this field are people who are willing to say, oh, man, I, I, have, I have no idea. I have, I, have, I have no idea. I have zero idea. But I'm willing to learn. I'm willing, I'm willing to figure it out. Um, so I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. <laughs> Man, I just it's making me think back, right? Like, um, for context, folks, like I've taught boot camps in the past. Mm-hmm. I participated in boot camps. And here's an interesting question for you because I've actually changed a little on this question. Okay. Do you think that anybody can learn to code and get in a tech? Yes. I do. I think that um, I think I think that anybody can learn to do anything. There may be people who are more inclined to playing an instrument, you know, learning how to play this, pick up the sport, whatever, being good at this thing. But I think that anybody with enough time, attention, dedication, uh, hard work, patience, um, can eventually get there. Um, do I think that everybody should try to code? Absolutely not. That's that's interesting. Because, you know, like I've expressed in the past, I do think that I did think anybody could learn to code, get yeah. into tech. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. <laughs> no more. I don't think so anymore. I don't think anybody can. It's like, it's a similar question to, can anybody be rich? Like, not everybody can. If, Just in the world, if everybody was rich, that they, they can't, it can't exist. Right. There's going to be people that are poor. If everybody's rich, nobody's rich. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And like, if if even if everybody does have the capacity to learn some minimal form of of coding of some sort, even if it's just as simple as learning Excel or a specific tool to the point where you can programmatically do certain things. Right. I don't think everybody can learn it. In the extent that we uh, serious talking, mm-hmm. I don't think that everybody can learn it to the extent in which it's sometimes portrayed by boot camps and like tech influencers and things like that. I think if you want to work hard, you definitely can do it. Yeah. I think if you put in effort, just like I think anyone can be reasonably rich or wealthy, sure, is if they put in the effort and time. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's going to. And not everybody's going to, for reasons, I believe, beyond just laziness. Right. Because I used to also believe, right, because I would say anybody can learn to code. You remember us having conversations like that? I do. And I would say if you didn't, you're lazy. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yes. Okay. 
I've seen now through coaching many people, right, that it's not always just laziness. Sometimes it 100% is. Sometimes people are just lazy. It irks me. Yeah. To my core. This I know. <laughs> to my core. But, but other times, they legitimately don't have the capacity for it. Like, they legitimately don't have the capacity to put in a certain level of work, a certain level of grind. They may have a capacity. There's a lot of people who have a capacity that's enough mm-hmm. to get the job done, mm-hmm. right? But there's also a lot of people that just don't. They don't, they don't got it. And that's what surprised me. That's what kind of took me back a little bit. I just coaching a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Best intentions, working hard. And they just don't got it. Hmm. And I think that's that's crazy. I, I think that that is a minority for sure. sure. And if someone comes up to me and is like, how do I get in tech? I assume everybody that comes up to me and asks can and will be successful right, right. if they put in the work. Right. But there's like a rare few people that I just think don't have the capacity. Let me push back a little bit on that because it's like... Again, I, like I said before, I think that there are some people who are more inclined, right? Or maybe the transition may be easier, but similar to work ethic or public speaking, some people are very, very shy, very timid, social anxiety, all these other various things. But through a certain means, the, the hills and the humps they have to jump through may be a lot more extensive than maybe a you or, you know, uh, you know maybe the next person. Um, but there are other people who are maybe more towards the middle with it. And I think that it's a spectrum of things. There are some people who are closer to being able to learn code. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so on this spectrum that you're talking about, because I agree it's a spectrum. Okay. What's, what point do you have to be on the spectrum to be good enough to get paid for it? Like this is your, because that's what I'm grading off of. I'm grading off of everybody. Can they get good enough to get paid for this? I think everybody can get good enough to be able to differentiate in their current job. True. Like I said, if you in a job in an office and you learn a little bit enough about coding to be able to like differentiate yourself and take these Excel spreadsheets and do some cool stuff with data, <laughs> yeah. like that's dope. That's amazing. I do think anybody can learn stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But to be able to do it all day, day in, day get out. paid for it, not burn out. Nah. But but again, but I I don't see. That's what I'm saying, though. If, if it's a matter of a spectrum, right? There may be people extreme over here, extreme over here, right? This is the best software engineer, you know, to walk the face of the earth. You know, Rob Warmald, you know, is like the one of the creators of Angular, and he works for Google. You know, he may be mm-hmm. on, like closer to this side, right? Then there's people who <laughs> don't know what a computer is, you know, like I, I don't know. But I think, again, I still think that people can be upskilled enough. The time that it would take, is what the thing I think varies between the ver- the various people, you know, mm-hmm. aptitude, you know, humility, and also time, because I think naturally we all fall various places on this scale. But I think if if the threshold is the middle, to being able to get paid, you know, then you're becoming a professional. There's various stages of how professional we are, right? This side would be the uneducated or ignorant mm-hmm. to various aspects of the coding world, you know. Yeah, and, and I I think it's good we draw this differentiating factor between coding specific jobs like software engineering Mm -hmm. and other tech adjacent jobs true because even a lot of the guys we know they end up not coding every day they end up doing 
agile stuff or doing design stuff, mm-hmm. right? Ro- ro- building robots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, robot automation, different stuff, even though that's still pretty code-centric. Okay. Job. But yeah, I, I just I don't know. still categorize I, 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 that. I, I, I'm on this side of the it's spectrum. All right, it's, all right. yeah, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> but I think that if you grind to the point, this is what I think the strategy is that maybe everybody could do, mm-hmm. but they're not because they don't have the like work capacity for I it. I think you get into tech by learning to code initially. Sure. Shortest path to entry. Definitely agree. You work in that for one to three years. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a grind. You're probably not going to enjoy it unless you just love code. And I just happened to accidentally fall into that. That yeah. wasn't like something I thought about. Right. So you then work in that one to three years, at least two. Mm-hmm. Then you end up in another role. Like Scrum Master agile or design Mm -hmm. or product Mm -hmm. management or whatever right right? there's all these tech adjacent jobs that still make a lot of money sure but you're not you didn't you're you're not gonna do your daily uh you know making the money for you and your household just by coding right you know right and and i want to i'm making that distinction just because the boot camp story that we talked about in the beginning. Mm-hmm. When you talk about, oh, you know, the the sale I, I hear a lot of boot camps saying is, hey, you get in, you get this job, and you're good. All right, like 90-day boot camp. We help you get a job. Six months, we help you get a job. And it may help you get a job. Definitely. But you might hate it. Hate it. Making good money and, and resent going to work every single day. Yes, you might hate it. It might work out. You might hate it. I'm, si- I'm sitting here saying, that's okay. Just like, Talking to you and the guys back then when folks that everybody got in through coding. Everybody. Everybody. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, what do you want to do next? Because we can now pivot this into something a lot more spectacular. Absolutely. Right. So that's also what I mean when I'm saying not everybody can really has that capacity to code and do it every day. I'm thinking about multiple things at once and like kind of combining it. Because mm-hmm. I think that statement is, is weighted statement. It carries a lot behind it. So you hear what I'm saying? I, I, I agree. The, the only part I think I, I disagree or just think a little bit differently on is, like, for example, Giles, a great friend of ours, right? He came in through the boot camp, um, you know, did what he had to do, sample product, everything that ha- the, he did to um, uh, create his MVP to be able to get on board. He was able to get in. And after a certain point, like immediately when we the conversation was to be had of, all right, are you liking this? Where are you at? He's, he's naturally a designer. Like he has a clothing, you know, this is his brand here, Prem Deluxe, you know, um, and he's been doing this for years, you know. Um, so I think, again, talking about that spectrum, if this, we change the spectrum to coding and use it for maybe being a designer. I'm not on that spectrum. I'm way over here, whereas he naturally is way over here. So naturally that, that, that jump was easier for him. But if he had to, he would have stayed in coding and, Eventually, you know, creeped up is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I, I just, I'm glad that what needs to happen with folks like that, in my opinion, is you just hope they have good management around them. Yes. You hope they have good, like, lead engineers and managers around them that can take them, still value them, mm-hmm. because they hired them on to do a different job. Right. And still try to aid them into the role that best fits them. Mm-hmm. That's not the case everywhere. 
it's not the case as most places and if when you really think about it um because that that is one of the stigmas around you know coding i mean you think about someone like yourself you know uh, division one football and your upbringing and things like that you don't fit the mold you know you, no. you're a social person you know handsome guy you know all this all these other various <laughs> things you know, handsome guy. <laughs> that's my brother though so if he look good I look okay <laughs> look right. no no but but the re, but the reality of it is um you know the the typical you know nine to five brilliant um developer is a uh, you know, going off the stigma, somebody you know, skinny, you know, slim guy, or a uh, guy that stayed may have long hair, only watches anime or something like that. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, and, and and you know, really isn't a social person, but I mean, can can build houses with code, you know. And so, uh, I I just feel as if there are, are people again varying on the on the spectrum of of natural ability, what they're natural, what they. But everybody's everything. Everything can be taught, because uh, yeah. e- even that uh, you could have, you know, grown up even though with your genetics. But um, started coding out very, very early. You know, it just depends on how you're raised. But you were out. We were outside yeah. playing in the street. Running doing in the, right, no, 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 doing no, 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 no. Like, People ask all the time, bro. You everybody knows that dude at work or girl at work who is like, oh, when did you start? How'd you get into tech? You know, I was um, ten years old and. <laughs> I um my dad first bought me this <laughs> this thing. I took apart my Atari yep. and built. I was like, no. I uh, I soldered together my Nintendo sixty four <laughs> and my Sega Genesis. And you're like, bro, I'm happy for you. Like, I'm not even trying to. Climb. I learned not, so much from these people. That's not me though. But that's not. That's not. <laughs> that's not never me. Did, no. Never, Mm-mm. never did. Mm-mm. No one. As a matter of fact, me, all of my family was in the trades. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought I was going to be a fireman or, you know, electrician or... Roofer. Yeah, so like mm-hmm. in construction. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never thought that I would be coding. I never had any context of it. I think the only context I had of it when I was younger was my aunt, who was in IT support. She gets in the car. I remember we in the car one day. We're driving home, and she's like, baby boy. I just got a call from a recruiter. You need to learn database programming. And I'm like, what is database programming? Now, I'm, I'm like in a sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. I don't know why she's telling me I need to learn database programming. She's, mm-hmm. You need to learn database programming. I'm like, what, what are you talking Okay, what are you talking about? She's like, I just got a call from a recruiter. And they're like, do you know anything about SQL or database programming at all? She, she didn't. So she said no. She's like, they're like, man, because we got this job right now. It pays $35 an hour. And bro, thirty five dollars an sophomore hour. Sophomore in high school. It when was I was balling. a sophomore in high school, balling. And where we grew up, the type of stuff we grew up in was yes, yes, balling. Yes, yes. You is life changing. Yeah. Okay. You know, now it's a different story, but then it was very serious. So I'm like, whoa, okay. That was the only thing I heard, and then it went away until I became an adult. Uh, when I get into it, or really like close to that kind of seventeen, eighteen year old mm-hmm. range. Bro, you brought it up, so now we're going to talk about it. And as being just a big dude in tech, mm-hmm. what are some of the responses that you get? I know it's some of the responses I get. What are some experiences you have, like, just dealing with being in the tech world as a large human being? Oh, you know, first off, the, the world isn't built for Wait, us. For, for context, give the people your, your dimensions. Uh, uh, all right. Um, probably 6'4". Uh, 
350 plus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. For, for context, 6'8", six, six, like 400 plus. Yeah. 6'8". <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, it's funny. It, it's, I think it's so interesting. You know, a lot of things that I got when I was in elementary school, high school, you know, from the people, the typical nerds, if you want to call it that, right? Just to set the picture, you know, um, was what I got off the initial meeting of, oh man, you're, hey, what's your name, you know, and everything. And on, or a lot of time, you know, we're real social people, but I, I, I'm normally introducing myself. Hey man, what's up, man? What's your name? I appreciate the way you ran that meeting or the way you did that demo or the way you, you know, um, you know, uh, taught this portion of ACOP or uh, Agile Community of Practice or whatever. I really, really appreciate that. You know, and it's they're so off put by that. And but I think the transition wasn't as difficult maybe for me just because, you know, although I played sports, the jock, but I was also in all like good classes, mm-hmm. smart classes. I wasn't going to school. I wasn't in classes nine times out of ten with, you know, the peers that are on the football team with me or mm-hmm. on the basketball team or this team or that team. You know, so um, that was that was uh it wasn't that big of an adjustment for me, but I feel like it's different me being in their world, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then earning their respect definitely was something that like behind the scenes, I guess I was really going for. And once I start to get that, that validation made me feel accepted because essentially I really am in their world. It's not typically where I would be at, you know? Yeah. Well, what do you, what do you normally get? I mean, I've seen I've seen a little bit, but I think it'd be important to know, you know. It's, I, all right, so you said it real nicely. I feel like it was like a very good, politically correct answer. Working on it. Really appreciate your flow of words. Appreciate you. But bro, like, you know, people just thought I was stupid up front. Like that was their assumption. Like yes. I knew somebody. That was how I got in with the job. And I mean, the first I think even the interviews, people were surprised a lot. When I would be questioned and I would know things, right? right? Or I'd be able to do certain things, uh, different coding interviews and just ability to overall communicate, uh, things like that. I just think that the stereotype is, in simple terms, they think you're dumb up front. Mm-hmm. They don't think you can be large, strong person, enjoy, you know, sports, lifting weights, things like that, and also be, be intelligent, right? Uh, to that degree. Right, because I think for some people, I'm not gonna say all of them, because we talked about the stereotype of the 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 dude who learned when he was like eight. Right, right. right. That's a stereotype. That's sure. not always correct. That you know, there's some incorrect assumptions there, probably. Sure. Of course, but those a lot of those types of folks who maybe are closer to fitting that stereotype than not, would look at someone. I felt this way. Would look at someone like me, and think, that's not fair. Like, that was the vibe I got. Like, it's not fair that you, 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 you're this, you're, you're, this, you're, you're that, this. you're this. And yeah. yeah, that was the vibe. That's the vibe I got from some folks. Majority, very cool. Like, yeah. as soon as they saw I, I knew what I was talking about, they're like, oh. oh. He's one of us. Yeah, maybe like a little initial surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that's that's cool. Yeah. But like, they're, we're good. Right. Like, okay, we, we can cool. We can talk They now. know what they're talking about. And then right. uh, after that, it was cool. that's one of the things I love about tech in general, though. I love that if you really know what you're talking about, you'll be off, you'll be all right. You know, another thing I appreciate, too, when you do know what you're talking about, but even being able to say, oh, I don't really know, and being willing to learn, people are like, oh, this guy's the real deal. I've seen, I've, 
I've, I've been approached, you know, on both sides of the coin, really speaking, you know, um, as a subject matter expert on something, but also, um, hey, I, I need to learn a little bit more. I'm not that comfortable with being able to maybe teach this portion here. And it, mm-hmm. oh man, wow. I, let me actually show you a couple things. And so, um, I absolutely agree with that, 100%. That's crazy, man. I think that the last, because what, it's been 10 years for me now, which is nuts. 10 years, bro, doing this tech thing. Only 10 years? I think so, because, yeah, what, I'm 29 now. Yeah, 10 years, because when I was 19 is really when I got into it heavy. I got my first job, and I've been doing it ever since, 10 years. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Because you started out, you started out, because like, you know, again, I, I gave an introduction, but do the people have like an introduction about like you? Like this is the first one. This is the first one. So um, I feel like it'd be important to note like, you know, what's your title or like, what do you do? Yeah, so I work for a company called HashiCorp and they call me a developer advocate. Well, that is a basically like a community focused software engineer. Um, I interact with the community around our products. I, I write code around like plugins. I give talks at conferences and do a bunch of that kind of stuff. I've been in multiple different roles in tech. My background in tech is around software engineering and cloud architecture. Done a lot of cloud focused stuff, uh, which is how I'm kind of in what I am now, which also put me into that DevOps SRE type space. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I've, I've got a lot of experience on a lot of different types of projects, but I've been at Hashi, bro, I've been at HashiCorp now for longer than I've been, I think, Any anywhere. Yeah. And in that. tech, that's a big deal. That's funny. Let's talk about that because in tech, you don't stay at places long. And I actually think that's a good thing. I recommend it up front. Up front, once you get that first at least two years, right? Get the two years, three if you really want to be safe, but at least the two after that. Go where they pay every, you. Every six months. You know, get the experience because that's what it was for me. So I went, I was in that job, my first one, to say a year, right? Mm-hmm. I was in the next job for like six months to a year. And then I went to Duke, which was two years, which was the longest I had been at that point in time. Mm-hmm. The next job after that was six months. And now I've been a Hashi. And right, but Hashi was the role that I really wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. Like the type of role, the thing that I set out, the goals from the beginning that I thought about. The HashiCorp role really blended all those things together. I had used the HashiCorp products a lot. I also wanted to be, I wanted to be technical, but I wanted to also learn about business, mm-hmm. which is the first role that when I came here to Hashi, I was a solutions engineer, which is like basically like a, a sales oriented software engineer type of job where you interact with customers a lot. And uh, that was fun. I, I like working with customers a lot, yep. but I like the role I'm in now. I would say a little bit better currently because it lets me do stuff like this on a personal brand that that's kind of included in, as part of the job. Right. Uh, like you have to maintain your brand and then also allows me to code more, which is something that I just happened in my journey to find out that I really do enjoy the engineering side of it. We were talking about this the other day. Yeah. You know, because um, you know, I was coding for Duke for, you know, uh, a couple years. Uh, look up at the camera. I'm oh, sorry. Because yes. your, your brim covers oh. the... 
I can take no, the no, hat you, off. No, no, you're good. I'm just saying. Yeah, it covers so, your face. Yeah, so I, I was, you know, I was coding at Duke for a couple of years, and then, um, uh, and then, you know, there was an opportunity that presented itself. I just wanted to learn more about the project management space. I didn't ever see myself jumping over to that. Um, and it was just a, it was a lucrative opportunity to just jump. So the, the, no reason outside of that. Shortly thereafter of, um, you know, jumping into the business side uh, of tech, um, I, I missed coding dearly. And we spoke about that in depth, you know, a little bit of soul searching. But I was actually finding myself looking forward to, you know, going on Leak Code and doing my own coding challenges and things like that. And so um, an opportunity presented itself and a startup for me to be there to be able to um, they gave me some title, but I don't remember because I don't care about the title. Um, but I, I mentor, and I'm also back in the weeds of coding, which mm -hmm. is the best of both worlds. So, I mean, when I tell you I'm excited every single day now because I, I have, you know, my business and uh, the business aspect of what I do, but I get to code again, man. I get to code, you know, back, back in because I'm a full stack. I didn't tell you all. I'm, I'm a full stack engineer. So that's database. That's uh, API. Uh, orchestration, architecture, um, and, and build net out, and also front end. So in a couple of different languages. So um, I absolutely like, you know, find out what works for for you. But for me, I thought that I want I, I want to get away, and I missed it until I was back in it. So you know, yeah, yeah. I feel that. so. I mean, you you brought it up, so we're gonna talk about what's your favorite programming languages. Language first one, and then you can talk about a couple of contenders if you have any other ones. Yeah, so um, I am a bit uh, for so front end wise, um, Angular. I, I loved for JavaScript. So JavaScript, I don't I don't know anything outside of JavaScript, but I've 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 done React development. I've done um, Vue. I've done Angular. I've uh, um, there's one I'm, I'm I'm missing here, but um, so I've I had I've I've done you know various flavors of JavaScript. My favorite though is Angular for sure. Mm -hmm. The um, TypeScript, type yeah, TypeScript, yeah, but okay. but you know, it's just still, Java, to, still JavaScript, but right? Types, yeah. Um, but I, I I don't find that there's a big delineation, but right behind, I mean, I mean, right behind it is Vue. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy you know learning about Vue. Um, you know, the, their state management, the the store concept was something new to me, so I learned that first with Vue. Mm -hmm. Um, so bro, you you said what your favorite web framework is. Mm -hmm. But, and you're, but you're saying you only got one favorite language, and that's essentially JavaScript. JavaScript. And or TypeScript. Right. Um, and then, um, I mean, I, I, do, I do enjoy Java development, mm. but... Um, I do. But it was, it was, <laughs> it was very different. No, because once I understood, you know, the, once I started with, once I got into back-end development... Mm -hmm. It helped me to appreciate all the stuff I don't have to worry about with front end development. Yeah. You know, so that that was that was the the the, the biggest uh, thing. And then, you know, learning um, learning how to write write database scripts and stuff like that. I I don't enjoy that at all. Yeah, I, it's funny because <laughs> I started in SQL Dev. Okay. My first Dev role was a SQL Dev. Right, right, right. SQL Data Warehouse Dev. I thought data was what I was going to do. I thought I was going to do data. I thought I was going to go into big data. Really, I just heard that big data devs were making like 75 an hour at the time. And I was like, I'm interested. Yes. <laughs> this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Choose me. Two okay? thumbs wants to do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, it, that was as simple as it was because I was already down that data track. It wasn't until 
I was in a situation where I had to learn kind of more of the full stack that I actually did get into it and not feel like, oh no, I really like to understand how all these pieces fit together. Mm-hmm. I do like building more backend services, but I did, I've written a lot of front end code. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, right now, my favorite language is definitely Go. Definitely go. Yeah. I just I'm and it's a it's a bias and it's also I work at Hashi and all of our products are written in Go, so I get to work with Go a lot. Shameless but b- plug. Yeah. before I I came to Hashi, Go was still my favorite language. Yep. Uh, I was doing a lot of it at the tail end of Duke and in my of ne- the next role that I took before Hashi. So Go became useful because and I you know what that came from I think now that I'm thinking back on it. You remember when I when I took the ethical hacking course? Yes, in Colorado. Yeah, so I, I took an ethical hacking course. I got certified, and that really made me like see. You mm-hmm. know, learning about buffer overflows and all of that fun stuff, and using it from an offensive perspective. That whole ethical hacking in and of itself is really fun. I think that's really cool. Uh, but when I got into C, I was like, okay. This is interesting, but C is also annoying in some ways. Still think it's good, right? But you just have to really you have to really know what you're doing. Right. And then I I started using Go and it and the purpose at the time that they expressed behind Go was to be an iteration on C. Like C is an iteration on C. Right. But Go was intended not to be an iteration on C on C itself. To kind of do the things in a way that they, they didn't like a lot of things about C++, so they, they made Go what they wanted it to be, and that, that story appealed to me, right? because I also was really enjoying C at the time. So I got into Go, and I've written a lot of Go code since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, hands down, my favorite language for backend and the web in general, because you can just make these web services very easily. Uh, these small microservices, I love like Protobuf, I love all of those things when it comes to back-end infrastructure management type tasks. Mm-hmm. But as far as front-end goes, yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't not know JavaScript. You have to know JavaScript. Front-end frameworks, you know I love Vue. I'm, I'm like... Yes, I know. I'm, if I have to write anything on the front-end, I'm going to Vue. Mm-hmm. 100%. There's a couple ones that are coming up that I thought maybe they're cool, but it hasn't been worth trying yet. Okay. So, for sure, I, I, I get Angular. You know I used to hate Angular. I used to despise Angular because they made me use TypeScript. And at the time, I didn't feel like using TypeScript. I write a decent amount of TypeScript now. I'm about to say, but, like, but I'm saying what? that at the time, uh-huh. I didn't want to. Yeah. Right? ES6 was like just kind of becoming out, coming out, and JavaScript classes have been released. I just didn't see the point of having the additional overhead of TypeScript on top of. Anyway, I'm fine with TypeScript now. All right. right? But. At the time, I didn't like, and I didn't like Angular because they kind of made you use TypeScript. But I see why Angular is valuable for organizations, because Angular has one way of doing everything. Right. And if you hire an Angular dev, they're going to know the one way to do that thing. Mm-hmm. Now, in reality, there's probably three to five ways to do that thing. But Angular says no. There, there's one way. Yeah, there's one way. <laughs> so do it this way. Right. And frameworks do uh, uh, supply you a lot of that, but even with React or Vue, there's still at least three different ways to accomplish the same job a lot of the time. Um, 
And you have to learn how to make those decisions of when you switch over to a different technique because of the level of scale, how big your application's gotten and how difficult it's become to manage those types of things. Yep. I like having that freedom. Like if I'm making a decision up front, if I'm just doing a dumb app myself mm -hmm. that I'm building, right? Mm -hmm. I want to be able to do it a certain way mm -hmm. and then build out the complexity as I go. Yeah. Right. But anyway, that's just me. I mean, but even, you know, when I started out learning, I think it was like some small React like boilerplate, you know, I look back at the, I look back at it, man. I'm like, I was struggling bad. Two weeks to do something I could do in 30 minutes now, you know. Um, but you know that that is the process. You know, it's funny though. I, I think that um, having done vanilla JavaScript, you know, and started out there and coding challenges and stuff against just vanilla JavaScript, and then you know having these other things that I've used. Um, Angular is, is just so big and so vast. And, you know, I, I liked the freedom of, I like the freedom of you. I like the freedom of vanilla JavaScript, but I did like having to figure out how to get something done and finding mm -hmm. the one answer. I really do enjoy puzzles, mm -hmm. you know, and so. Uh, you know, it wasn't until we wrote Photon. Shout out to Sean. Shout right. Out Sean. Shout out to Sean. Beast. Jedi right. Monster. Like, hands down, I've had three mentors in my career that have completely changed my life and career. He's one of them. So it wasn't until we had written, we were writing that and we got to about 10,000 plus lines of code yep. of just pure JavaScript mm -hmm. that I actually saw, okay, TypeScript might've been good. <laughs> like we had, you had, we had to write that much. What was the, what was the coming to? What was race the conditions? We we're running into a lot of situations where we were getting random race conditions because, and that's things the type system help you avoid. Yes. These were, it'll yeah. tell. And it'll, then we had this troubleshoot and mm -hmm. we spend a few hours troubleshooting to figure out what the problem was. And then, you know, but in, and on top of it, you guys are writing it from the command line as opposed right. to, uh, you know, as opposed to writing it in, you know, ID, you know, uh, there's Adam, there's VS Code, whatever the case is. Yeah, but I still, I mean, our BI setups were pretty, like Sean's BI setup was simple, but you know, I, I took it and I tried yeah. to, but like we, by the time we got to that point, we were close, we were using code completion and stuff like that. Oh, okay. We still had a lot of those modern features in, in BI. I did not know that, man. Yeah. I thought he was vehemently against it. He's like, he no, was I mean, at first. It makes, he was you, at it, first. it makes you stupid. We're like, we're just trying to speed up time. What's crazy is that he was still so fast. <laughs> Like, he's amazing. That's what was nuts. He was still so fast, it was not even using code completion. The funniest part is, like, his mentoring, like, for a time, <clears throat> uh, at least from what I saw, he'd, like, have a sit behind him, and he'd just, he'd just think out loud as he's going. Mm -hmm. You can't, you, there's no, there's no note-taking. You're just trying to, you know, try to yeah. just be in the ether with him. Yeah. It's like, like being face to face with a jet engine, right? <laughs> just yeah. like trying to keep your face on your face. Yeah, drink, drink through a water hose, man. Yeah. It, it, I remember the first the time. I remember the first time. Drink through a water hose. Yeah, you, like you mean a fire hose? Fire hose. I'm sorry, my mind, my body got stuck there for a second. <laughs> you started talking. I was like, you finished this like, talk. I was like, okay, no, I get it now. I, I get it because the water hose. We drink out of water hoses all the time. That's what. Yeah, that's where I was. Okay. okay. Yeah, when uh, I first started working with Sean, it's so funny because I saw him in VI, and I was like, 
I'd never seen it at this point in my that? career. I'd never seen it. So I was, I was, I was maybe two and a half years into my career at this point, something like that. I don't know, something like that. Two and a half, three. I don't know. Okay. What we can look at LinkedIn. I said okay. No, I'm, you, I'm a... you look like you don't believe me. I don't know where I was. I have it all on LinkedIn. This is verifiable information. I huh? just felt like you've been in tech longer than ten years already. Bro, so no, I, it just, I don't it just... think I have. I just I think I, I, I just grinded like crazy for oh, no. five years. Yes. That was really that's really what I did. We can get into that, but okay. So started with Rock. It was that's back in twenty fourteen. Eight years ago. Yeah, it's not like close to ten years, bro. Yeah, that's and crazy. Before, like, I thought, that's I thought it was longer for some reason. No, bro. Like right at that eight, eight to ten year mark. I just saw stuff but before 20, that. Yeah, but, twenty nine. I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking. You know, we've been out of school, out of high school for eleven years now. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I'm that's leaving, why I'm, I leave a job. I think off of here that I'm not counting. But mm-hmm. this was the first like official one that mm-hmm. I felt like this was an official job that I had. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that. So anyway, I'm I'm about let's go, fifteen. Yeah, almost three years in because it says two hundred fourteen. I started there at two thousand seventeen. Right. So it's three years. Three years into my career, and I hadn't even seen Vi yet. Bro, I'm looking at him. He's doing motions. He's words. The the cursor's jumping everywhere. Words are disappearing. And his mouth's not moving. And his mouth isn't moving at all. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> Stop. What are you using? Time out. I didn't, and I think, so. That, just a note right there. Some people just don't got the audacity. You just take a moment. Sometimes you just need some audacity, bro. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Don't eat too much. No. So, you know, because you could, you could overdo it. Uh, but you need a little audacity. Just be like, whoa, whoa, oh, whoa. What are you doing? <laughs> Please. No, 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 do it again. Yeah, one more time. Let me see it. Let me see it one more time. And he sure enough, he was like, oh. He was like, this is VI. And I'm like, the what? What are you talking about? Vim? VI? Well, he's like, it's it's Vim, but I call it VI. Okay, so I'm like, I need to know what that is. What is this? How do I learn? He starts showing me little things, right? So let me do it. So I immediately at the time, I was using Pluralsight. It's before I really got into Udemy. Udemy. <laughs> Bro, Udemy. Udemy. The GOAT. <laughs> now Skillshare, though. I'm actually really enjoying Skillshare. Skillshare? Yeah, anyway, that's a whole other thing. We can talk about Okay. So, he, he shows VI. I get a course in Pluralsight about VI. I'm listening to him. I'm running. He, he says, it takes a little bit to get up and running. Like, you're going to lose productivity for at least a few days. And I'm like, okay, cool. Eat the few days. Mm-hmm. So, it was that. I got to the point where I was probably just as productive in the terminal, in my VI setup, mm-hmm. than I was at VS Code at the time, which I was using, it did take about three days. Mm-hmm. But then I started doing enhancements. Like, there was things I missed. I felt like I was missing from VS Code because I didn't start in VI. Like, he started in VI, right. from what I, what I remember him telling me. Mm-hmm. So, he wasn't missing it. He was just in the terminal doing things. He, was, he would open files. He was just native in the terminal. He loved it. And I, I still made sure I learned that skill set because I think it's so valuable. Mm-hmm. But there was things I missed. Like, I missed the uh, file tree. Mm-hmm. Right? I was like, where's my... F- Bro, I, I love having that on the side right there. That's so nice. Mm-hmm. So, I, I just found that, that you could add plugins and add a file tree. He didn't even know plugins existed at the time. Still. The Bro, most was productive. using native via... Native via... This is... Y'all don't understand this, 
And I don't even know if it's that he didn't know or if he maybe glanced at it and just completely ignored it. It's not worth I, my time. I'm I have no idea. He didn't use any plugins. He went in. He wrote set number, right? For my VI users, you know what this is. So you can see the number lines. And then he set his tab width and his shift stop width. And that was it. He chose a basic color scheme that was part of the basic color schemes. And he went on about his life. He's like, yeah, I'd like this because anywhere that I go, I can just get up and running really quickly just with this. Nuts. That was the first thing. When I when I found that plugin, I immediately oh it, immediately installed it. It's a it, it, it is it is a part of my net like my I get a new machine. First thing I do, you know, you're getting your you know you're setting up this up that up you know. But my nerd tree, you know, yeah. get, getting my my you know, avatar set up. Get you know the um. I forgot what we called it for the different uh, colors for the files and things. You remember that? Mm-hmm. You know, all that. So this is a file. This is a folder. All that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, I, it's the first thing I do. It's one of the first things I do. Absolutely. Bro, I'm about to show you, I'm about to show you this real quick. Right, let me try and pull up this cam. I don't want me to do it. Uh-oh. What you trying to do? So I have a side cam. It's just because I reconfigured it. So this, uh, bro, not, not, not. Oh, <laughs> so. It's, it's, I call it a side cam. Okay. But no, it's in the streaming software. So I can just go in here. Mm-hmm. It's usually it'll work, but I mess around with the camera. And then I can make it smaller. So I can say, okay, let's use the same source, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but now with this one. Let's do a quick flip. Transform. Flip horizontal. Alright, now I can make this smaller. Oh wow. This. And I can make this one disappear. And oh, then I can bring up the terminal. So, for the people that don't know what we're talking about, this is my Vim, my Vim setup right now. I'm, for one, I'm using NVim, so I don't know if you're NeoVim. Nope. Yeah, nope. Uh, and I have an alias for my NVim config. You can see my config right now is 317 lines long. Love it. Okay. His config was like that long, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Nate, maybe not. Maybe like here. Yeah. <laughs> And he probably had it. He didn't even have a couple of the options that I have in. I even have it. I have it to where I can use my mouse and them. Like, I can click around and stuff if I really want to. Like, all that stuff. He didn't have any of that. Okay. And when we're talking about the file tree, like, this is what I wanted. Yes. Right? Where I could go in and actually look around and look at my files and see what was going on. I, Because I, I started in VS Code, I couldn't just give that up. Mm-hmm. He would just go in and like, you know, type E and then read different files as he was going in, bro. He would literally do everything from here. I do remember. Everything. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. And and so I, I learned that because I was like, I just got to learn <clears throat> how he's doing it. Whatever he's doing, I got to learn how to do it that way. Because mm-hmm. he was moving so fast, bro. So fast. Even just how he would edit stuff, like little stuff like JSON or Ather and things. VI just was elite in being able to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So so fast, bro. So fast, 
We'll put the main cam back up. Okay. So when I saw it, I was like, I, I got to learn it. I got to do it. Have to. Did it. And I think he even told me that he was like, you made me confident in this. You remember those times? He was like, when you said, no, this is the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, even when we had different boot camps, I'm like, they need to learn this. Yes. Because even if they don't use it in the future, it gives you such a leg up on being, if I'm, if I SSH anywhere. If you only know an IDE, it's over for you. You're cooked. It's done. Mm-hmm. Even in stuff like ethical hacking, things like that, mm-hmm. if you're in the servers, you want to do anything, you want to edit text. Yeah, there's other ones that maybe people like Nano, etc. Mm-hmm. But it gives you superpowers. It's nuts. You just look crazy in the command line doing stuff. So that was amazing. That was like a really a huge thing for me. And I still use it. This is my exclusive editor to this day. And it's nice because if I do have to jump into VS Code... Or do something there, or I just want to see how it's looking and check it out. Mm-hmm. There's always a VI mode, always in all of them, mm-hmm. even if I'm doing like iOS Integra- development. In- integrate it into these IDs. Yeah, like it's oh, just wow. a plugin. You just tap plug in, and now all my key bindings are there for the most part, give or oh. take like five percent. Okay. So I can still, but I can still do all my motions. I can still delete and manipulate text like how I'm used to. Sure. Uh, so if I need to collaborate with anyone, it's not a big deal. Yeah. But yeah, it's a whole thing. Do you remember the VI days? Where you oh, hundred percent. I remember Vargant. <laughs> oh um, my goodness. Uh, oh my uh, goodness. Uh, uh, Vargant. It's just, it's just a joke for for those techie people out there that you know it's vagrant. But there was a a, a new dev who now works at Microsoft, um, who we came up with, and uh, he 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 was asking about some for for some instructions, and he said, "Yeah, so what's that Vargant again?" <laughs> It wasn't just he said it one time. Okay. It wasn't just a one. If it was a one time thing, we're letting it go, bro. We're letting it go. He said it so many it beca- times. <laughs> it became a joke because of how many times he said Vargant. Yeah. Versus Vagrant. Vagrant. For context, for the boot camp, we're using Vagrant to spin up development environments for people. <laughs> so that they didn't have to configure everything yeah. themselves. Yeah. It, he, <laughs> So we had this instruction for how you set up the environment. Mm-hmm. And he said, I keep typing in Vargant. And the thing, he was actually typing in Vargant. V-A-R. V- instead of Vagrant. And when I tell you, like, this would be a conversation. He'd be like, I'm typing in. I'm typing in Vargant. I was like, I know. You're supposed to type in Vagrant. It's, and I spelt it like V-A-G-R-A-N-T. Vagrant. And he was like, okay. And I literally watched him type. Vargant again. And that's when I think the, the monster started to like be born of everybody can't cope. At that point, I I still honestly believed it. I did. I thought that I thought that um the it, it, it did tell me the dramatic difference in skill level that I didn't realize before. Mm-hmm. It showed me that, but um <laughs> I still believe that he could learn to code. That sure. he he'd get into it. He just needed more more time, sure. right? And I think that is still the case. I mean, like you said, he works with Microsoft. He's in more so like I think a support role, mm-hmm. but he's still in tech. He's still doing his thing. Shout out to him. Shout doing to him. great. Yep. Uh, and I, I think that that is a story that's powerful. You, even if you 
let's say you're not good at coding. That's really what I want to get. If you're not good at coding, that's okay. There's, there, there's get, room for get you. Get good enough. Yeah. Get good enough to be able to get into a job. Mm-hmm. And even if you are it's something you can't do at all, there's still something tech adjacent that you can do. Mm-hmm. And you can make good money because I think that that's really what folks' goal is. To just make more money than what they're making now. Absolutely. All right. So uh, we're getting close to time, but just like to wrap it up, from a money standpoint, what have you seen and what would you tell people is something realistic that they can hope for for a progression in industry money-wise? Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, coming in, it's, it's not... I mean, it just it just depends on how much work you put in off, you know, uh, you know, we call it the, doing the grind, you know, uh, it, it depends on how, how deep into that or what you focus on. You can be vast or you can be, you know, try to be a subject matter expert or something. But uh, starting out very green, you see, I've seen people come in, you know, $50 an hour or so, which is good. But then I've also seen people come in, you know, coming in at a salaried role. You know, being able to express their um, technical aptitude and making two hundred thousand dollars a year immediately, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but of course, that that's more on the misnomer, the red herring. But, but yeah, I haven't seen people doing that immediately, unless you're on the West Coast and you've had internships. Okay, like, we're not talking about internships and stuff, stuff like that. No, I'm talking about okay. like realistically, like you get in a role, like if it, the going along the lines of the boot camp role again. Yeah, like I say, fifty dollars isn't what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. If you are seeing, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Like I, what what I end up seeing is you come in mm-hmm. after a boot camp or something like that, making twenty five or thirty five an hour. Usually what's thirty that, to thirty five. What's, what's an hour. about a, what's that about a year? I guess is uh, about what was that like sixty? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. 25 I, is 50. Okay. I, that's why I, did, I didn't know yeah. what I was thinking about. But yeah. 30 is 60, so 35 probably 65. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, you come in that range, like 50 to 65K mm-hmm. in the beginning, leaving a boot camp. I said $50 an hour. You said 50 bro, dollars an hour, bro. I'm like, I said, bro, <laughs> I'm thinking of 50. To, hey, that's a lot of money, bro. Hey, I'm like, what did I say? That's good money. Hey, yeah, no, but I'm, no, I'm, I'm re- listening to you. I'm like, nah. But real talk, 50. within a year or two, yeah, no, you definitely you can hit that. Yeah, like your next gig should be 45 an hour, right? Then you get another couple of years. So let's say you're four years in now, you should be in that 50 plus range. If you're not, at, if you're four years deep and you're not at 50 plus an hour. Then you know reevaluate what you're doing and where you're at, and maybe just get more experience interviewing and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, gauge the economy in your area type of thing. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these jobs are remote any- anyway, so I would just practice interviewing and get good at interviewing because it's a skill set in and of itself. You say it all the time. Hey, just interview, just to interview. Interview. Have just no intention interview. on leaving. Yeah, just interview yeah. to to gain the skills of interviewing to understand what folks are looking for, to understand your appeal on the market, mm-hmm. right? Um, don't lie to folks. Be honest to folks. Tell them you're happy where you're where they're at. But once you get that two years experience, you know, as you know, you'll have recruiters reaching out to you a lot. Every day. All the time. So mm-hmm. um, take the interesting ones, once you start getting a lot of them, and, and do them. Interview. See, see how you compare. Yeah. That'll be my recommendation. Once you get to that four-year mark, now it's just you making moves. Because you can stay at that $50 an hour depending on what you're doing for a while, but you could work your way up, like especially especially if you're contracting. 
Like you could hit that fifty dollar an hour range in the full time space and contracting, either or. Mm-hmm. But especially if you're contracting and also full time, I say you can get to the seventy five an hour range. At that point, if you're aggressive, seventy five I think is like one fifty. I have to check my math though. Okay, let's check. Seventy five times forty, times fifty two. One fifty. One fifty. One fifty six. So you can get to around there for sure. Um, in a lot of different types of roles, not just coding roles. Mm-hmm. You can get there in the agile roles. You can get there uh, in a lot of different ways. That's what I would sh- I would shoot for, and in, in based on geography too. Like we're on the East Coast, mm-hmm. right? Not in New York. Uh, we're based in the Carolinas. So depending on where you are, that pay will go up or down. Mm-hmm. And whether or not you're the top of your field, which requires a different level of effort and work, is also based on where you get paid. Mm-hmm. So on the East Coast, I think outside of New York, you can definitely get paid higher in New York. You can get to that two hundred to $300,000 range at the top-ish of your craft. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not talking about just with, with like stock options and everything too. Like you can get there with the stock options and things too, especially in startups or things or like the bigger tech companies, yeah. for sure. But just let's just talk about base K. I think you're you can get to that two space for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, even on this, and a lot of people don't know. That. I was having a conversation with somebody. They didn't know that, and they're just they're getting paid what they're getting paid, right? And I'm talking to them like, no, <laughs> like, look, understand. You got to do the research and understand what you can be paid, right? And then put yourself in positions to get that money. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I've seen monetarily. Um, anything you want to change up or? Oh no no! When I said fifty, I, I'm I'm thinking fifty thousand sixty. 50, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you said I said what did I say? Fifty nine. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, said, yeah. I said fifty hour. <laughs> no no no! I was wrong. No, but you can you can come out definitely being able to make a living for yourself and take care of yourself, get a couple of things, you know, you know, uh, take care of a small family, whatever the case is. Um, but sure. you definitely want to grow because um, mm-hmm. it'll definitely grow in there too. You know, and I, I think the only thing I would say, um, a lot of people only think you can come in coding. Mm-hmm. But now, um, tech sales. You do not yeah. have to be a technical person to be in tech sales. I think it's absolutely something you, you want. Can. To. The jobs are a little bit more harder because it's not as technical. Right. Like getting, being technical first helps you get your foot in the door in those mm-hmm. jobs. Right. But for sure, you don't have to be. But then you really have to capitalize on that whole knowing people and networking thing. Have to. Like, that's not... You have to do one or the other. You either have to differentiate yourself with your knowledge and capabilities, or you have to differentiate yourself with your ability to network and and get to know a lot of people and build solid relationships. Mm -hmm. And the strongest people do both, I think. It's a skill set, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, But that's the only thing I I was going to say. You know, that there, there are multiple ways in... I agree with you. The I think the shortest barrier to entry is figuring out how to do something behind the keyboard coding. Mm-hmm. And then once you get in, you can go to the project development space, product owner space, agile space, you know, design space, robotic space. You know. Mm-hmm. What's, me, that, what's that old proverb? Uh, a man skilled at his work will sit before kings? That's what it... <laughs> like all right, now. Hey, man. Hey, you know, yeah, hey. I like that one. Hey, he was, hey. <laughs> All right, y'all. We appreciate it. Welcome to episode one. Uh, We'll be back with another episode up here soon. And uh, peace out. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, man.